The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hot, hot, hike! Welcome back to another episode of Making Monsters. If you've been following along lately, you know that I'm doing kind of a cruise around the North and talking to uh, people, different people around the NFC North just to kind of get the vibes of other teams because obviously we've been talking a whole lot of Bears. I've done... 35 plus podcasts since the season ended about free agencies and about draft and about the schedule and all of these things. So I want to kind of get that outside perspective. And last week we talked to Pete Dougherty with um, talking about the Packers. And today we are going to chat about the Lions. Um, I'm joined today by Jeremy Reisman. He's the Lions beat for Pride of Detroit. So uh, Jeremy, thank you for joining me. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for having me. I do have a question because I noticed myself. Do you say Detroit or do you say Detroit? Oh, I think I say Detroit, but now that you say it, I'm not even entirely sure. I think Detroit, <laughs> yeah, Detroit Lions. Yeah, okay. I feel that's what I go with. <laughs> because I've, I've found myself, and sometimes when I'm talking about it in conversation, I'll just say Detroit, and then I'll find myself when I'm really, like, thinking about it, saying Detroit, and I'm like, why am I doing that? I don't know which way I'm supposed to say it. But either way, yeah. <laughs> um, as I mentioned, we are doing this kind of this outside perspective view, Jeremy, and the NFC North, I think, is – uh, very up in the air right now. Um, Aaron Rodgers yeah. is out of the division for the first time. For the first time in a while, at least we're hoping there's not another Hall of Fame quarterback sitting there behind um, in Jordan Love waiting to take the reins and rule the North for however long again. We're kind of all hoping that's. I'm sure, Detroit's the same exact situation right now as Bears, hoping that's not the case because we've all just watched it year after year after year. And so we're super excited to just kind of have it to where maybe it is a little open. There's a lot of young talent all over the NFC North. So it's definitely an interesting division. Um, But obviously with the Lions recently and Aaron Rodgers out and the Lions having, you know, a really good offense last year that really started to shine towards the end of the season. The rivalry between the Bears and Lions got has gotten a little heated this offseason, especially on Twitter. If you're sure. if you're on there, you've seen <laughs> you've seen the back and forths. Um, so I'm, but I'm not sure either team has a whole lot to brag about in this past decade plus. Um, but we'll take what we can get. And I'm sure you guys are kind of in right. that situation where you do feel like you're in the right direction. Um, but let's start a little bit, Jeremy, with one of the bigger off 
off-season stories between the two teams, obviously, David Montgomery. I love David. I rooted for David getting a contract, but I was also a little more realistic about what you pay a running back, um, and yeah. I I was confident. I'm confident enough in Khalil Herbert, and obviously they made more moves as we go into the draft and free agency, but um, I understand the way it worked out. I get it, and now some recent words from David got Bears fans a bit heated, um, so that's going to be adding even more to what's become this this heated up rivalry in this last offseason um, to the first Lions matchup when we guys play, which also isn't until November. Both of those games are pretty close, but it's so by that time, we'll probably have a good idea what each team is. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit, though. They use um, the number 12, as in the Lions, used that number 12 overall pick to draft uh, Jameer Gibbs, which indicated to most that Swift was probably out the door, and considering they also added Montgomery earlier. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys are expecting from that running back room now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, in, in a lot of ways, it's more of the same of, of what the Lions had last year, just, you know, two potential upgrades, I think, is, is what the Lions are hoping for, right? Um, because DeAndre Smith was a, was a good player. I don't think uh, many in Detroit are, are declining that, but the, the, problem, the, the problem with him was just he couldn't stay healthy. And so I know fantasy football owners uh, probably got very frustrated with mm-hmm. the Lions' use of DeAndre Swift, but they kept him on those limited snap counts because he couldn't handle um, a bigger load, and, and that's why he's missed a, a handful of games. And so you, you draft Jameer Gibbs, he's a little bit quicker, he's a little bit speedier, and hopefully he brings a little bit more consistency in, in terms of availability and then it was David Montgomery. I think that was a really interesting situation because this team wanted to bring back Jamal Williams. They really did. Okay. Um, but the, the the numbers just didn't match. And from my understanding of it, Jamal was expecting a much larger deal. I think he thought the Lions loved him a lot more um, than, than they actually did. And so they, you know, it's my understanding that basically Jamal got a very similar offer to, to what Jamal, I'm sorry, to what uh, David Montgomery got. Um, and so Jamal actually ended up taking up a, a, a much smaller uh, deal with the Saints. So um, it, I don't think the Lions were actively looking to say, hey, we, we need to upgrade Jamal Williams. I mean, the guy set the, the season uh, franchise record for rushing touchdowns in the season, beat Barry mm-hmm. Sanders in that mark. So, um, but it, it got to a point where the Lions were at kind of their um, their contractual max with Jamal, what they were going to pay, and, and they reverted course. And I would argue that, that Montgomery is a slight upgrade. Not not maybe as significant as some Lions fans are thinking, but you know I, I don't need to tell you how much of a, a tackle breaker he is. And mm-hmm. um, and honestly, like I, he's not going to be like the the fun personality that that Jamal Williams was. But based on my you know limited interactions with him so far, I actually find him to be a very mature, very good person. And I know. Bears fans might not feel the same after some of the comments he made, but I, I also think some of that is a little bit overblown. It, yeah. it's, it's funny though, because uh, when, when TJ Hawkinson was traded and the Lions were one and six at the time, the Vikings were six and one, he said something like, you know, uh, it, it's nice to be in a place where winning, winning is the expectation. Yeah. And a lot of Lions fans were mad at that. To me, that's the exact same thing. Like mm-hmm. he's not really telling any lies, like expectations right now in Detroit are higher than they were in Chicago for the past three or four years. Yeah. When TJ Hawkinson was traded, you know, the expectations were the Vikings were going to make the playoffs and make a deep run while Detroit was going to vie for a top five pick. Things changed considerably after that, but that was the truth at the time. Yeah, and I think obviously, Jeremy, when you when somebody's on your team, it's easier to love a certain personality or appreciate sure. certain things. And of course, when they're not on your team anymore, you are a little more critical. <laughs> and ever, nobody right. exactly knows that situation. And the Bears, a lot of Bears fans felt that the Bears would have 
given him the six million. They were expecting him to mm-hmm. ask more like nine, and that's why they thought they didn't sign him. So then when he signed with the Lions for six, everyone was kind of confused because they were like, hold on, wait. Yeah. Like, we thought that was like a manageable thing in Chicago. So there's, a, yeah, that obviously when you're looking, you were talking about Jamal Williams, that, that 17 touchdowns is a huge number. And um, right. I'm sure that's obviously you'll miss that in certain aspects, but there are so many things that David Montgomery can do. And that's one of, was one of my concerns. Obviously, he's a great back, but he was also one of our better blocking backs. He was also one of the ones mm-hmm. who could actually pass catch too. And Khalil Herbert wasn't yeah. really either of those two things. So that's where I was a little concerned. But then obviously they went and got Roshan Johnson in the in the draft and they're kind of expecting him to be able to do those things that maybe we're losing in David Montgomery, which we'll find out and you'll see really quickly. Um, but the, the one thing about our division is there's a lot of good running backs in the NFC North and uh, the run defense wasn't so good last year for pretty much any of them, but we'll get to that in a little <laughs> bit. Um, let's probably talk about the other big story probably in Detroit is the suspension of several players for betting on the game. Obviously with Quintez and CJ Moore, it was NFL games, I believe. So they got the whole season, yep. but Jamison Williams got six games. It was in the facility. That's why he got those six games, but it was not on NFL games. Um, so obviously that brings up some questions. Amon Ra, a little chirpy this offseason also, so Bears fans have been going on about that sure. one. I think his podcast is fun, though, and obviously with the you guys definitely have the better brother in that sense. Um, but I love watching him play. He's been one of my favorite weapons to watch last year. Um, and so I think, obviously, he remains the guy in Detroit. And you do lose Williams, who wasn't a huge playmaker. It wasn't a huge part of the offense last season, but I think some people were probably expecting him to take a step up in that year, too. Um, so what does this mean for that receiving room right now in Detroit? Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting situation, right? Expectations, I, I think, are still really high. Like you mentioned, this was a top five scoring offense last year, and it was largely based on a pretty efficient uh, passing game. You know, Jerry Goff had one of his most efficient seasons of his career. Um, but yeah, he did it largely without Jameson last year. Jameson only had one catch uh, the entire year, but the Lions also obviously did have DJ Chark last year, who was a more significant kind of contributor. And I think a lot of people were expecting, okay, no DJ Chark, Jameson's going to kind of step up and fill that void. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have that for the, for the first six games. The Lions went out and got Marvin Jones, uh, brought him back for a little bit of help. The return too. of Marv. Um, that's right. And that, <laughs> that's, that was kind of, a, he's 33 now. So to expect him to put up DJ Chark numbers is probably a little bit uh, out of uh, out of his range, I would say. But um, we, I, I barely mentioned Jameer Gibbs. Like he's probably going to play a pretty significant uh, factor in, in the passing game. Uh, Sam Laporta, obviously, their, uh-huh. their second round pick, uh, tight end, is also going to take a significant portion. But I don't know how much you can rely on a rookie tight end. Those, those the statistics for rookie tight ends aren't typically very good. So yeah. you know the lines are going to find ways. I, I still see them to be particularly deep at wide receiver, even if they're kind of maybe lacking that stock, that star power at the top without Jamison. You, you got a guy like Josh Reynolds, who's been very good here since uh, they, they caught him off waivers from, from the Rams, obviously has that familiarity with Jared Goff. And and then even a guy like Khalif Raymond has been a, a nice kind of wide receiver four. And it, given the Lions depth chart right now, he's really more like wide receiver five. So it, it might not be like the star power crew that, that you've seen like with, with the Vikings in the past and things like that in this division, but uh, it's still a decent enough crew where I don't think you should expect much of a step back in those first six games. And then once Jameson's off his suspension, I mean, the bears are going to see him both times, uh, mm-hmm. presumably uh, it, it'll be interesting. To see. I mean, I, I can't sit here and tell you what, what I know is going to happen with him. There's been a lot of questions about his maturity and things like that. And okay. certainly so the, the suspension didn't help, but 
um, he's he's a fast dude, yeah. and uh, you, you got a really good offensive coordinator that that you figure is going to know how to use him. I think it's just a matter of him getting on the same page with Jared Goff. And the, if there's one good thing about the suspension, it's that he's allowed to practice. He's yeah. allowed to practice all the way through uh, training camp, and then once the season starts, that's when he has to step away from the team for six weeks. So this is really his first time getting all that time, right? Because he yeah. was. He's dealing with the ACL last year, so this is really valuable time for him to, to kind of get ready and prepare, and uh, hopefully by the start of the season he'll he'll hit the ground running once the suspension's up. And that's interesting. I, I didn't know if he was able to practice. So that uh, that obviously makes a world of difference. We saw last season when, you know, with the Deshaun Watson situation, which is obviously completely different, mm-hmm. but when he was suspended, he couldn't right. even practice. So when you are not right. around your team and, you know, you, you obviously get the playbook, but you're not out on the field with these guys kind of getting that connection. So that's definitely a benefit for that. Um, but, Jeremy, you mentioned Jared Goff. Obviously, he gets a bad rep at times, and there, there's been moments, like really high moments with Jared Goff and moments where people are kind of questioning questioning if he is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Obviously, with that trade, the Lions-Rams trade, the, they flop quarterbacks and Rams get a Super Bowl shortly after. And then now it does look like the Lions, like I mentioned earlier, are kind of you know on their way up, and especially with one of the more productive offenses in the league last year. Um, but it seems like there is a confidence surrounding Goff, at least there in Detroit, um, and that shows in many ways. So, so do you? what are the thoughts of Goff on the most part when it comes to fans, media, and the team, and what are some expectations? for the season yeah I'll start with the team because that's the easiest one they they have been in full support of this guy since he's been in the in, in the facility I mean even when I think when the trade went down obviously if you if you're trading away a quarterback and you get two first round picks uh in return in addition to a quarterback it's obvious which one is more highly thought of a quarterback mm-hmm. um and so everyone kind of assumed the golf thing was a you know a throw-in piece a way for the rams to get out from under salary cap all that sort of stuff but the the lines through it all was just like no we like we think this is more than just a throw and this is not a bridge quarterback to someone new and and they stuck with that the entire time and i mean obviously you're going to say that when it first happens but they stuck with it um golf had a, a rough first year here but he didn't have a lot of help last year he had a lot more help in what do you know? He, he played a lot better. And mm-hmm. I mean, that that's not exactly, you know, uh, <laughs> rocket science here. And, and it's true of probably a lot of quarterbacks, right? If you don't have a good supporting cast, you're not going to play as well. Um, I think there's still a lot of questions about where his ceiling is, right? Um, we know that he can lead a team to a Super Bowl. Um, the Rams are a pretty darn good team with him starting at quarterback. And yeah. I, I think uh, there gets lost in the conversation, you know, how much is Sean McVay, how much is Jared Goff? Uh, I mean, the, the guy still has to go out there and perform. And so uh, I, I think expectations are that he's good enough to do that. The question is whether he's able to lift a subpar roster and, and put it on his shoulders and, and take that to a Super Bowl. Or, you know, if, if they're in a shootout, let's say with Patrick Mahomes in week one of the season, uh, is he able to, to go toe to toe? And he, he literally did that one time. Uh, in in LA with one of the most memorable, I think it was a Monday night or it was either Monday night or a Thursday night game. Um, but the, the good thing here in Detroit is is that he has a supporting cast. He he doesn't need to necessarily put the entire team on his back because he has a lot of weapons because he has a really good offensive line. That's really been kind of I think the the main stickler. The, the you know I, I think Lions fans are kind of coming around to Jared Goff in okay. a way. Um, but but the one sticking point still is what happens when there's pressure. What happens when the pass protection breaks down. He obviously doesn't have the mobility that some of the kind of newer age quarterbacks does. Um, and, and then there's a question about, you know, his decision-making uh, under the gun, which hasn't been great in the past, but did improve. I mean, he went, 
nine nine or ten straight games at the end of the last season without throwing an interception. Um, I think he currently has like a top five streak in that ever um, without throwing an interception. So wow. it's something he improved upon. And I think that's the the other thing to to, to really bring up that I think a lot of people forget is I, I believe Jared Goff is 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Like he's still relatively <laughs> young for a quarterback. Um, and, and we allow most quarterbacks to still kind of continue to grow and develop at that point. But for some reason, we all think we know who Jared Goff is and that's who he will always be. Um, so I, all to say that there's very much a, a split kind of opinion on Jared Goff and um, that wh- whatever your opinion on that uh, kind of uh, topic um, kind of also changes your perception of the Hendon Hooker draft pick yeah. with the Lions third round pick. Um, some think, hey, that's the guy of the future. Like once he gets healthy and, and learns the playbook and learns kind of the speed of the NFL, that might be your Jared Goff replacement. Other people say he's the long-term backup, which the Lions have needed for a, a very long time. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, Goff has two years on his, on his deal. It, it's very possible that the Lions give him a, a short extension maybe even as early as this off season, mm-hmm. because I think they do like him that much, but uh, I think it would make more sense for them to kind of see how this year plays out and then kind of go from there. Well, Jeremy, one of the things that we can definitely relate to in Chicago is the lack of a supporting cast. So we completely <laughs> understand that side of things. And obviously we're hoping that changes a little bit for the bears this season, but you mentioned uh, you touched on tight ends. You touched on Sam Laporta drafting him. And obviously one of the guys last year, Brock Wright, uh, who was also a former Notre Dame thing. So it was funny because last year I did a mm-hmm. podcast on Cole Komet and Cole Komet, Brock Wright was like the guy at Notre Dame and Cole Komet came and was supposed to be kind of the other guy and ended up kind of beating Brock Wright out at Notre Dame to be that number one tight end when he was there. So it was interesting to me to watch these matchups last season. And and Brock Wright, I feel like both games he played against Chicago, he was just like out to prove something. And I don't know if it was because it was like the division, but he's had three touchdowns on us in those two games we played the Lions last season. And I remember being like, where did this guy come from? Like He's getting on my nerves during <laughs> these games. But obviously you mentioned Sam Laporta and it's adding that to the room with Brock Wright. And when you look at the history, Jeremy, of – the teams recently that have won Super Bowls, the majority of them have a great tight end. When we're talking about Kansas City, obviously, mm-hmm. with Kelsey being one of the best of all time. Tampa at that time, obviously, Gronkowski was there, but that's in addition to a, a full, a full packed house of tight ends. And then New England and Philly, Doug Peterson's Philly was full. He loves the tight ends in, in that situation. So a lot of teams like I feel like are looking for those guys and it's not so easy to find because I feel like you do have that top four or five tight ends and then there's a good drop off in in the in-between. How much would you expect the Lions to, especially with the suspensions in the beginning, kind of hopefully lean on Brock a little bit more, get Sam Laporta in there? Would you expect that? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they they certainly haven't shied away from using, you know, two or or three tight end sets in the past. And part of that is because they they love the run game so much. And, um, you know, being able to to sport three tight ends there makes you pretty unpredictable, right? If you have guys that that can both block and catch, which I think Brock Wright can do. uh, We'll we'll see on Sam Laporta. He he looks very, very good as a a natural receiver. Mm -hmm. And so I think you, you might see him more as stretched out as, as a slot guy, maybe even on the outside a little bit more. Um, but yeah, they, they didn't draft that guy to bench him. Uh, yeah. Laporta is a guy that, that they're, they're very excited about during rookie minicamp. He was just tearing up everybody. Granted he's going up against a bunch of UDFAs and things like that. But um, you know, it, it, it's tough because Lions fans have been through this before plenty of times with, with young, highly drafted tight ends with, with whether it's, you know, TJ Hawkinson, Eric Ebron. Um, they, they've, 
they've built these guys up in the off season and expected a lot of things in a year one, but it just, it typically doesn't happen in year one. It's, it's mm-hmm. a position that takes a, quite a bit of adjustment um, because you have to know everything as a tight end. You have yeah. to know how to block. You have to know how to pass protect, run block, go out and, uh, um, you know, go on routes, things like that. So um, it, it, it takes, it takes a while. Um, yeah. But Iowa seems to be a pretty good uh, I- college to to post from so (laughs) exactly um so i I, you know i think expectations are still relatively high but um you you just can't get out of control i think with rookie expectations especially at that position yeah and i was about to say anyways that it looks like dan campbell was having a fun time at iowa this offseason because you also drafted jack campbell obviously too um so let's talk about defensively a little bit the bears allowed the second most rushing yards a game last season but detroit was just behind them with the fourth fourth most a game um all of the Mm -hmm. nfc north honestly which i mentioned earlier struggled against the run green bay had the seventh most minnesota was right in the middle of the pack around 13th but um how well do you think that Detroit addressed that the you know the the run game the run defense in this offseason another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, they did an okay job. Um, I, I think they're expecting a lot of improvement just from the growth of players that were already here. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they did improve as the season went on. I think um, if you look at like first half and second half splits, they might not look that different uh and i think there's one reason for that and his name's justin fields mm-hmm. um he'll he, he tends to skew the numbers uh pretty bad in, in any direction not not to say like stopping a, a quarterback running is is not important but it, it also kind of skews maybe a, a more traditional run game and run defense yeah. and it's just really hard to stop that guy <laughs> uh, i don't know if anyone has figured that one out yet so um, hopefully not but yeah i mean yeah <laughs> I, I i disagree but okay um <laughs> I would say, you know, they, they obviously, like you mentioned, Jack Campbell is, is probably this team's future Mike linebacker. Um, I don't know if he's going to be Mike right away or if he's just going to be, I think he's going to start eventually uh, okay. for sure. Maybe right to begin. I just don't know if it's going to be kind of with the green daughter. They'll, they'll keep Alex Anzalone there, but um, that's, that's a big, I mean, he's a big fast dude. Um, a lot of these linebackers you see um, are, you know, and they're like, kind of safety linebacker duo at 220, 230. Jack Campbell's 250 and runs just as fast as all those guys. Mm-hmm. So um, he's, he's a guy that they're expecting to be both really, really good in, in run and pass support, um, maybe even uh, uh, used as occasional pass rusher. But in terms of run defense, there's that. Uh, there's obviously drafting Broderick Martin in third round, a, a nose tackle of the future. Um, that's, that's really the key, I think, to fixing the lines issues um, last year is, is – developing that interior of the defensive line. And so 
they, they've drafted a lot of guys on the defensive front uh, really since um, the new regime took over. Uh, only McNeil's going to enter his third year. He's probably going to play more three tech this year, but he's kind of slowly progressed to a point where I think expectations are really high for him. Uh, you get Broderick Martin. Um, you've, you've dra- I don't I don't know if we'll see Levi Onzerike maybe ever, uh, former second round pick um, who who had really high hopes but has been dealing with a back injury really since he stepped on the field. Um, and then besides him, you, you have kind of complimentary guys that maybe aren't big names, but, but are really important to what the Lions do. Isaiah Bugs is a guy that they re-signed this offseason who, um, again, like towards the second half of the season, you, you could see it really starting to click with him as, as another nose tackle option. And then you have a bunch of edge guys that, that can kick inside. John Kaminsky was kind of a really important addition last year, um, and they re-signed him this year. Um, and so, you know, put it all together, it might not look like a lot on paper, but I think they're just expecting this this defense, which I think was the third youngest defense uh, by by weight uh, by snap weighted uh, adjustments uh, mm-hmm. to just take it that next step. And we'll we'll see how it works out. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think a lot of Lions fans were hoping they do a little bit more, especially in the defensive interior. But um, I, I understand what they did. Yeah, and I think because. Honestly, Jeremy, last year, in addition to Making Monsters, I also co-host a show called Helmets and Heels in Jacksonville, so we're the flagship of the Jags. So I cover two very different spectrums of teams, and they were also in very different places last season. And we obviously, one of the things we do during the offseason is kind of go through and pick who we think will win each division. I actually had the Lions, um, a a little bit of a hot take, but at the same time, I really did, I was expecting the, the the Lions offense to take a step last year. I really liked how it looked on paper. Mm-hmm. So I picked the Lions to win the North last year. Um, it was also just throwing a little shade of Aaron Rodgers because I was just annoyed <laughs> with all of his antics at that time. And I was like, he's not practicing sure. again. There's so much drama there right now. It seems messy and it was messy. Um, but I really liked their offense. And I think a lot of people throughout the season were, were watching the Lions. I'm like, man, this like the, you felt like they should have had a better record at certain times. But then you would kind of see some of those defensive numbers, in which we just mentioned, yep. the ones against the run, but also against the pass, too. I, they allowed the third most passing yards a game also. But I do think that it was towards the end of the season, you really started to see that improve. So like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if this year we are seeing some even more improvement in that because when you're watching a team and you have a lot of young guys, not only are they trying to get used to the speed of the NFL in general, but you're also working with a lot of new people. They're surrounded by new guys and all of these things that you have to start kind of figuring out. So it will be interesting to see that and how much they improve this season because I think if the defense does take the step up that Lions want the, want to, then it, the Lions could be a very dangerous team this year. Um, a few more for you, Jeremy, before I let you go. The feelings around the North in general for you. Uh, thoughts on Detroit um, in general? Is there anything, any hot take you have about that? But also I want to know about how you guys feel with the Jordan Love situation because Bears fans have talked about it, and the majority of Bears fans, I just – they don't believe that he is going to be anywhere close to dangerous. Um, is that kind of the feeling in Detroit too? Or are you guys kind of just waiting it out? Uh, I, I think there's a, a silent fear right yeah. now just because of what's happened in this uh, crazy past 30 years in, in Green Bay with the, you know, one Hall of Fame quarterback after another. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't say it necessarily has any ground in, in reality. I don't think anything that, that Jordan Love has shown in the little amount of time that we've seen him out there, that, that he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, he could be good. I, I, I think, I do think there there are 
people that are still underrating Green Bay this year, though, because, mm-hmm. it, I mean, they didn't great, get great quarterback play last year, and they, you know, they almost finished 500. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, think, I think they still have a pretty decent defense and a good run game, which is a good way to complement a, a young quarterback that, that is inexperienced. Um, I, I still don't think they're necessarily a contender, though. So, yep. uh, yeah, in, in terms of the Lions and, and the Lions hype that, that's kind of crazy and out of control right now, I, I have to admit I'm, I'm getting a little swept up in it, and it, it feels weird. It feels uncomfortable. Uh, you know, they're favorites in the division for the first time in like 30 years. They haven't won the division in 30 years. Um, so it, it's – but I look at this team, and, and like I said, like we, we mentioned – how good the offense was last year, and, and there's no reason really to believe they'll, they'll take a significant step back there. Defensively, we didn't even mention all the, the additions in the secondary, right? C.J. Gardner-Johnson, mm-hmm. Cameron Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley. You, you mentioned they had a really bad pass offense last year, and, and now they've, they've certainly upgraded their, their secondary. I don't think anyone can necessarily disagree with that. Um, but, yeah, like, I don't – my question is, who, who is that number two team that, that's going to challenge them? Is it Green Bay? Is it a rising Chicago team? Is it a, a Vikings team? I would say my hot take in the division is that I think the Vikings are going to be one of the worst teams, not only in the division, in the entire NFC. I think last year's record was, I mean, we, we all know how much of a sham that was, right? In yeah. terms of their 10-0 record in, in one-score games, in terms of them essentially getting blown out in, in the, well, maybe not blown out, but beaten decisively in the playoffs. And they've only lost talent from, from that time. I think they've, they've lost a lot of talent on both sides of the ball there. So I actually think they're going to be the worst team in the division. And then I think, I think the, the Bears and, and the Packers, I think they're pretty close. I mm-hmm. think both those teams have kind of a, a high-variance season ahead of them. Like, I think I can see both teams winning five or six games. I can see both, win, both teams winning nine or ten games. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it is just like, all right, how much is it going to click with a bunch of these young players on each team? Yeah. Yeah, and I agree because even people will ask me, how how many wins do you think the Bears are win? I'm like, I truly have no idea because <laughs> I, right. I think we're we're counting on a lot of things. Obviously, we're counting on Justin Fields taking another step up. We're counting on uh, DJ Moore. I believe DJ, DJ Moore is a great wide receiver. How fast are things really yeah. going to click between him and J- Justin? Um, what is that really going to look like with DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, and Chase Claypool? Is Claypool going to take a step up? How quickly is Roshan going to come in here? And Deontay Foreman, how much is he going to play into the run right. game? Um, the defense, they didn't do a whole lot up front when it comes to the defensive line, which I was a little concerned. Obviously, still some mm-hmm. time. Is there going to be a, a move made there? I don't know. I'm pretty confident in the secondary, but up front, I'm just not. Um, the linebacker room greatly improved, obviously, adding Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. So I, I am confident in that that level. But just up front, I'm scared. And like you mentioned, there's so right. many. There's a lot of good running backs in this league. I mean, in the, in the North in general. But it is. It's such a weird thing. And when people ask me, I'm like, I have no idea. But it is funny that you mentioned the Vikings because just last week I was um, – me and my producer for Helmets and Heels were getting into it because I – said the same thing. I was like, it was a fluke last year. Like, they just, they, the way that the, the their one-score games, nobody wins all of their one-score games. Like, even the best teams, right. even Patrick Mahomes doesn't win every single mm-hmm. one-score game because that's just, the and the way they were happening was just like miracle field goals at the yeah. in the final seconds that bounce in barely and all of these crazy things. They had a negative point differential even though they won 13 games. It, it was just a wild season and to see all of those things bounce perfectly for them again um, in addition to, like you said, all of the pieces that 
they also do not have this season. It'd be really wild for me to see the Vikings do that again. Um, Jeremy, one more before for you before I let you go. What are your thoughts? You mentioned it one time or maybe one or two times during this briefly, but what are your thoughts towards Justin Fields? Uh, I know we we love Justin Fields. We're confident that he'll be able to take the next step up, but obviously we do have some bias there. So what is your the outside perspective, uh, yours personally in Detroit, of the feelings towards Justin? Yeah, I would say most Detroit fans do not take him that seriously. Uh, I'm not one of those. Uh, I, I absolutely do. Uh, and, and it's not just obviously the running stuff. He's also been kind of an underrated deep ball passer. He's made a mm-hmm. couple throws that have made my jaw drop. And and listen, I, I talked to you earlier about Jared Goff. Like, not a good quarterback when he doesn't have a good surrounding cast is a good quarterback when he does have a surrounding cast. Well, let's get Justin Fields a, a good surrounding cast and, and see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um and, and I, I, I think that's a legitimate excuse to have. Um, I don't think the Bears have had a, a very good receiving core. Um, they've had a decent running game, but their offensive line has also been very up and down. So, I mean, I, I, I think the jury is still very much out on Justin Fields, but I think he definitely has all the physical tools necessary to be a really good quarterback in this league. So I'm, I'm not counting him out at all. Uh, where I think some Lions fans are like, oh, he can't throw, he can't throw. And, and listen, they, he's, he's shown he's had some issues throwing the ball in the past, but not enough for me to be like, there's no chance for this guy. I, yeah. I think he has a chance to be a star. I, I do. I, yeah. I still think that's still very much on the table. Um, I'm, I, I can't sit here and tell you he's going to be a star. I, I can't sit here and tell you that the Bears have, now have enough weapons. I, I think they're still not where they need to be in terms of giving him a full supporting cast, but Obviously, the, the addition of DJ Moore is huge. It's a great first starting step, and then uh, we'll kind of see where it goes from there. But, yeah, I'm still very much of the belief that, that the jury is still out on, on this guy. And uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping that this division is, is done with Hall of Fame quarterbacks for a little <laughs> bit. But um, I, I, can't, I can't rule it out completely yet. Yeah, my, my, the most frustrating thing to me this past year is when – people say he can't throw the ball or he's a running quarterback. And I was like, but he's not like, did you watch him at Ohio state at all? Because he wasn't like, he didn't, he can run. And that's great. Um, This season. I mean, last season, honestly, where Justin struggles the most are the intermediate passes. And that's something that I've been working on a lot this off season, because that's where the struggles came in, like deep passes when he needs to get it downfield, uh, he could play well. And that was with, Throwing it to, like I mentioned earlier, the other St. Brown and Darnell Mooney, who I love, but the kids, the guy's 5'11". Um, so right. obviously when you add DJ Moore, who is a deep threat wide receiver, that's just kind of what he is. He likes to battle for those contested catches. And when you're giving someone like that to Justin, it will be that. But that to me kind of looks like, okay, here's your test this year because we're giving you, yeah. here's the things that we're giving you and we're building around every strength that you have. So if you do not see a massive improvement, I think, Bears fans will be worried, but I, I I don't think they quite are. But it is funny because that's one of the things I've noticed on Twitter is just the rest of the division isn't quite believing in Justin Fields, which is For fine sure. because I'm kind of sitting here like, that's great. The years that we've had the attention, it has not gone well. So let us just let us just build it quietly in the background and hopefully it works out. But it is, like you said, I hope that at least things shift and it's not Green Bay ruling the NFC North for the next 20 years again, because I feel like we need a little bit of a, a little bit of a change at least. Yeah. And, and the one thing I'll say too, is I think, I think a lot of the, the negativity towards Justin Fields, and, and I'm sure that's coming from some Bears fans too, is just the history of, of quarterbacks in yeah. Chicago, right? Is yeah. that, that whole legacy of things. And as a Lions fan, 
I don't believe in that legacy stuff. I don't believe in the <laughs> stuff that, you know, what happens in the past dooms your future, right? I can't, I couldn't be a Lions fan if I believe that were to be true. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm obviously not considering that when it comes to Justin Fields. I think there's a chance that the, the kid succeeds. And I was a big fan of him. So I was, I was mm. kind of bummed that he went to as, as, Chicago, as, even though I'm a, I'm a Michigan alum uh, <laughs> too. So he kind of had like two negatives uh, against me. And the fact you. that I'm still kind of a, a, a fan of him uh, shows you how much I do respect his game. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, if when you're the only team left in the NFL to not have a quarterback throw for 30 touchdowns or 4,000 yards, I think <laughs> it, it lingers over you. And until it's, yeah. until that's not the case anymore, it's going to be talked about in Chicago. And that's just going to kind of be the thing. So I think that's obviously one of the the hopes that Bears fans are clinging on to is just like, get that out of the way. Because once that's out of the way, then maybe people will be like, okay, like the curse is broken. Like we can move on from this situation. But anyways, Jeremy, I want to say thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, As we mentioned earlier, this season is going to be very interesting to kind of see what that NFC North looks like. Uh, So again, thanks so much. No problem, Taylor. Thanks for having me. All right. You have a good one. So again, uh, that was our final piece. We ended up flipping some around because originally I was going to do the lion, release the Lions episode first and then release the Vikings episode. But when I was talking to Thor Nystrom about the Vikings and he said, mentioned the stuff about Dalvin Cook and a lot of the things he was saying about Justin Fields, I really felt like I needed to get that one out into the universe first. Um, so now the Lions won is the final one of this cruise around the North that we're doing. It's interesting, the two different perspectives that the Vikings and Lions reporter and fans seem to have, um, at least when it comes to Justin Fields and what the North will look like. It really shows the confidence that the Lions have compared to maybe some of the uneasiness that the Vikings have. Uh, the, the Lions are looking at this as like, heck yes, we can win this division. No issue. Where's our real competition I don't know. Seemingly, uh, it seems kind of as Jeremy was saying that they don't really feel Justin Fields is the guy. Obviously, they don't have a whole lot of confidence in Jordan Love and a lot of people have their questions about Kirk Cousins. So they're looking at this like, hey, this is our year. This is when it's going to happen. Um, But we can say it time and time again. It's the Lions. Uh, I think they're going to have to prove it to everybody uh, before and consistently. but it's been a really long time since they've since they've won anything, and they're bragging kind of about a team that didn't even make the playoffs last season. Yes, they played really good towards the end of the season, but you really want to see that for a full season. You want to see consistency from Jared Goff before you really look at this team and think that they're going to be like full competitors. This division's just so weird, and I mentioned it a million times during this cruise around the North, uh, but... Again, thanks for listening. Uh, The next couple months, we have some fun stuff. I want to get you guys a little bit more involved, start asking some questions, get your opinions as we get further into camp. Um, The OTAs, obviously, right now, mandatory camp is coming up soon, and then we'll have training camp in a a little over a month, I guess a month and a half-ish, something along those lines for most teams. Uh, So here we are. We're in the thick of it of the off-season activities and everything that could be going on. Um, There's still, we're still a lot of people waiting for that that edge rusher position to be tackled uh, when it comes to the Bears. But right now, you really have to look at this team and say they have improved on most of the areas that you wanted them to. They improved the offensive line. They improved the wide receiver room. The running back room, obviously losing David Montgomery, but then adding two pieces. And I'm seeing more and more about Roshan Johnson, about how people think he's going to be really good in the NFL. So you're, I don't think that's going to take a drop at all. So 
that's obviously improved. Linebacker room is, is greatly improved. Our secondary, I was already confident in. And then now you also add even more to that secondary room with uh, with Tyreek Stevenson at corner and some other pieces. Um, so really that, that edge and that is kind of the last, I guess the defensive line in general. Uh, I do think the interior is a little bit more improved. I would like a little bit more. But when you go back and you look at things that Justin Jones was able to do last season, if you improve some of the pieces around him, I do think he'll take a step up. I am confident that we'll see more out of Travis Gibson and Dominique Robinson just because, like I said, there are a little bit more, there is a little bit more help around them. Um, but I would like another splash guy. Uh, but if that's not in the, the books for Ryan Poles, I completely trust his judgment of what's worth it and what's not worth it. Um, anyways, thanks again. And uh, I'll catch up with you guys in the next couple weeks with some more, with a little bit more fun off season topics rather than just these interviews. I want to get your opinions on a lot of stuff. So I will chat with you soon. Thanks for listening. I'm Taylor Dahl, and this is another episode of Making Monsters.